Have you ever seen someone get away with something and you didn't like it? Have you? I see Tessa nodding her head. Like, like that someone didn't get into trouble when they should have, right? Like, oh, you should have gotten in trouble, right? Maybe it's a sibling, right? Sibling got away with something. Maybe it's a coworker, right? You saw a coworker steal some, some, some post-it notes, right? You're like, oh man, why didn't they, why didn't they get into trouble, right? For example, in sports, if there's a penalty on the other team and it doesn't get called, we get really upset, right? It's a couple important football games this afternoon, right? Right? And and we wonder out loud, man, are are the referees blind? Did did you see this? But if our own team commits a penalty or a foul and the referee doesn't see it or the umpire doesn't see it or the judge, you know, linesman, whatever, we don't mind, right? We're okay with that, right? We're happy about it. We got away with it, right? Our team didn't get penalized because, you know, even though cameras always show everything, but, you know, humans don't always see everything. Well, today we're going to finish the book of Jonah, chapter 4. If you haven't been with us this entire time, um, I will very briefly uh, catch us up. God calls Jonah to preach to the city of Nineveh, and Nineveh is really evil, so Jonah doesn't really want to preach to them. So instead, Jonah tries to escape on a boat in the opposite direction. Wouldn't you know it, a big storm comes, right? And Jonah gets tossed overboard by some sailors, and God sends a great fish to swallow Jonah, but, but keep him alive, not, not to eat him. Inside the fish, Jonah offers a nice prayer of thanksgiving, right? Jonah is eventually thrown up, vomited out on the beach, and this time he does actually go to Nineveh and preaches the message God gave him the first time. He says, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That was his message. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And amazingly, the Ninevites believe Jonah. And we read through the most thorough repentance ever recorded in the Bible. People put on sackcloth, animals, they put sackcloth on the animals, like as if they had to repent, right? People were fasting. Even the king gets down, right? And he calls for a citywide repentance. So the question we ended with last time was, what will God do? What will God do? Who knows? God may yet relent and show them compassion, or God God may yet smite them down like he said he would. Who knows? So that question is where we begin today. So let's see what God does in the final chapter of Jonah. But before we begin, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, may your mercy extend to all of us, no matter how we how we are, how we think in our fallen state. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Sometimes I have to pray quick ones because I don't want to give away the message. <laughs> and I realize that sometimes when I pray, I kind of give the conclusion of the message, you know? So, so I was like, mm, I'm just going to talk about very briefly mercy. Okay. <laughs> all right, so after all that over-the-top repenting by the Ninevites, what does God do? What's the $64,000 question? What does God do? And actually, we have to, I kind of end these on cliffhangers on, on purpose. So uh, we're ending at Jonah chapter, uh, Jonah chapter 3, verse 9, last time. So verse 10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Well, looks like God relented. What an awesome God. Praise God. Right? 
I mean, I, I said in a previous message that most people have heard the story of Jonah and the whale, right? Even non-Christians, people who have never set foot inside the church have heard of Jonah and the whale, right? It's a very famous story. But I think that most, I think that most people, the story, I, I think for most people, that's the end of the story. For most people, I think it's just about a guy who runs away from God, gets swallowed by a fish, gets swallowed by a whale, and survives, and that's it. They think that that's where the story ends. And maybe you thought this way um, before we started this series. Am I right? And I think a smaller subset of people know that the story actually continues and that Jonah actually does go preach to the city of Nineveh. He fulfills his original calling. And then I think almost everybody thinks that the story ends there. This final chapter, which we will go through today, is probably not what anyone expects. And very few people know. I would expect that after God relented and didn't destroy Nineveh, that, that Jonah would be happy and go back to his own land, right? Like everyone lives happily ever after. Nineveh is spared. Jonah, after surviving a crazy ordeal inside a fish, he has a newfound lease on life. He's a changed man with a changed heart, right? A, sex, a successful preaching, a lesson learned, the end, right? You would think that. Who doesn't love a good ending? And yet, this final chapter, which I think most people don't know, I think is actually the most important one. It has the real lessons of this entire book. <laughs> so people know the story about some guy getting swallowed up by a whale, but they don't realize that the most important lesson is in chapter 4. And I think that's really sad. I think most prophets would probably be happy about this turn of events, right? Like, and I said last time, most people back then ignored the prophets and they even beat them because of their dire messages, right? No one likes a Debbie Downer. Jonah has got to be happy that the people actually listened to him and genuinely repented. Let's see how Jonah reacts. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Wow. Take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Drama much, Jonah? There's... A there's a, there's a derogatory comment that we humans use about each other. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to explain it here. You ever hear that phrase, um, oh, that's just Jim being Jim. Or, that's just Sally being Sally. You ever hear that phrase? Like, when we look down on somebody or when we try to make an excuse for someone, right? It's not very flattering, right? When they, when, when, like, oh, that's just how he is. That, that's how, that, this is how they are. Maybe we're talking about like a really annoying quirk or like an annoying habit someone has. That's just Andy being Andy, <laughs> right? Do you, do you even know what I'm talking about? Just me. Okay, I see some nodding heads. This is Jonah right now. He hated the Ninevites so much that he basically resented God's character, right? The, you know, God giving mercy, right? He basically hated this part of God's character. Jonah is basically saying, I, I knew it. This is exactly what I was afraid would happen. It is just like, it is just like you, God. To do this kind of thing. It's just God being a no God. I knew it. Oh, so, so annoying. I knew you were gracious and compassionate and slow to anger, abounding in love, whatever. 
It's just so annoying. Jonah didn't expect the Ninevites to listen to him. In fact, if you remember from last, uh, the last message, it, it sounded like he was kind of hoping he, they wouldn't listen to him. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. I want us to get, his, uh, us to get into the mind of Jonah. Do, do, do you kind of see it? I mean, his reaction is pretty shocking, right? Pastor Mike regularly comes up here during announcements, right? He does announcements, right? And he asks us if we have prayed for one another in the congregation, right? He asks for a show of hands, right? He says, how many of you guys have prayed for one another, right? A few of us raise our hands. Can you imagine if we all raised our hands? Wouldn't that be amazing? That we are a congregation that prays for one another? What if we were all praying for at least one other person in this congregation? And then Pastor Mike got angry about it. As if Pastor Mike was like, wait, you actually listen to me and, and you're praying for one another? Why? So annoying. <laughs> Don't do that. What? Would that make any sense? <laughs> Yet th- this is Jonah's reaction. Jonah just finished to the probably the toughest audience of his life. He, he went to an enemy nation, <laughs> right? And they actually listened to him. And instead of rejoicing, he has a complete meltdown. Right? He's, he's like downright furious. That's just God being God with the grace and the mercy and the love, all that love. Annoying. Just kill me now. I want to die. This whole thing, I, I can't stand it. I don't even want to live. Take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Yeah, I mean, Jonah had a relationship with God, but there was something that he valued even more. There was something else he valued even more. The punishment of Israel's enemies. Jonah was rejecting God because he didn't get what he wanted. When we say, I'll serve you, God, if you give me something, then whatever that something is, that something that something is more important to you than, than God is. That something is your bottom line. That something is what you value the most. That's your real God. I'll serve you, God, as long as you give me a spouse, as long as you bless my life, my marriage, my family. I'll attend church, God, as long as you bless my career, as long as you make me successful, as long as you give me good grades. I'll pray to you, God. I'll obey you, God, as long as no one I love passes away. Have we been like this? Jonah loved his own Israel, but he hated her enemies. And Nineveh, the Assyrians, Nineveh is a city of, of the country, Assyrians, they were evil. And in a greater way, that reminds me of present-day America and all the divisiveness today. Loving our country and its people is a good thing. Patriotism is a good thing, absolutely. But if we love our country so much that we start to hope that entire people groups are lost spiritually, then we love our country more than we love God. And then our country, became, our, and then our country becomes our idol. It becomes the one thing important to us. And I think this applies to within our own country as well. I read a lot of hateful speech online. <laughs> between opposing viewpoints. Uh, I, I don't know why I, I, I do that. I, I, just, I like doing that. <laughs> I want to understand everybody's viewpoints. I'm sure you have too. 
Online memes are our way to express our sarcasm these days. Democrats versus Republicans, vaccines versus anti-vaxxers, racial tensions, BLM. People wishing the other side would go to hell, right? I read it. Those people who think differently than us are made in the same image of God that we are. And God desires all of us to be saved. We, we talked about that last time. If our identity is more rooted in our race, if our identity is more rooted in our nationality, or rooted in anything else other than being in believers in Jesus Christ and His saving work, then we idolize our race, we idolize our nation, we idolize something else. Just like Jonah. Israel, Israel, Israel. That's, that's Jonah. Let us put our identity first as believer, as Christians first, and then something else second. There is nothing wrong with being proud of the country you come from or identify with. Rightful racial pride is okay, but if it's not controlled, it becomes racism. There's nothing wrong with being patriotic, loving your country, but rightful national pride, rightful national pride and patriotism is okay, but if not controlled, it becomes imperialism. Imperialism is when uh, a country expands its power and influence, usually at the expense of other countries. If there's something more important to God than our, more important to us than God in our hearts, then we are no different than Jonah. Our egos become fragile, easily hurt. How dare you attack this thing, this ideology? We'll continue to be self-righteous in our own eyes. And if anything threatens that one thing that is the basis of our happiness, the, the, the one thing that's like more important to us than, than God is, then we get angry, we, we get anxious, we get unhappy, just like Jonah. We all need to realize that we, we all live here on earth by God's grace, all of us humans. We don't obey God just to get things from Him like it's, like it's conditional. Let's look at God's quiet rebuke. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? I mean, Jonah genuinely had a seemingly uh, genuine um, conversion experience in the fish, right? He, made, he prayed, do you remember? He, he prayed this amazing Thanksgiving prayer. He obeyed God's command to go to Nineveh. He boldly preached a message of destruction to a foreign enemy city. But then, like, nothing happened. Is it right for you to be angry? Do you guys remember when Jonah was tossed overboard by the, by, by the sailors, right? And he's, he's kind of floating in the ocean. Jonah only survived because of the mercy of God. He deserved judgment, but he received mercy. And he was most likely happy about it. And that is all forgotten. He got that mercy, and that's gone. <laughs> that's in the past. The Ninevites deserved judgment. They absolutely did. But they got mercy. Jonah's not happy about this. Isn't it right for you to be angry? Back to the sports team analogy. We're all too happy when a ref doesn't call a foul on our own team, right? We got away with it. You know? Man, that was past interference on my football team, but man, I'm, I'm so glad that that wasn't called. But when the other team isn't fairly penalized, man, we are livid. We are absolutely livid. We go nuts. We start yelling at the TV screen. I've never done that because I'm perfect. Jonah is all too happy to accept God's mercy. But when people, he doesn't like it, no way. 
No, they, they don't get mercy. Me, I get mercy. But no way, not, not them. Now, God is setting up some circumstances to show Jonah gently where God's priorities lie versus where Jonah's priorities lie. Where God's priorities lie versus where Jonah's priorities lie. Jonah had gone out, verse 5, Jonah had gone out and sat at the place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. At this point, Jonah is probably thinking to himself, finally something is going my way, right? I got some nice shade, right? It's the small things in life, right? Nice shade. Jonah was very happy about the plant. But you know God, right? God being God, there's about to be a lesson. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. Oh no. (laughs) When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. Oh my goodness. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Man, he wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. There's that phrase again, Jonah really wanted to die. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I'm so angry, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. Wow. Man, at this point, Jonah's probably thinking to himself, man, I I just cannot catch a break. I just, I can't catch a break. Oh my God, literally, kill me now. The sun is too hot. It would be better for me to die now. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. I ran away from God, and I got swallowed up by a fish. How many people can say that? Like, nobody? I went and preached to a ruthless people, and God just had to give them mercy. They're still around. They survived. Praise God. Whatever. And now I just want some comfort and, sh- uh, comfort and shade. Is that too much to ask, God? <laughs> Is that too much to ask after all I've been through? I've, I've been inside the slimy belly of a fish. Am I asking too much? Apparently so. A freaking worm has just killed the plant and now I have no shade. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. The sun is scorching down on me. I have no sunscreen because it's not been invented yet. My life is horrible. Poor me. I can't catch a break. It would be better for me to die than to live. I'm so angry. I wish I were dead. Ever had one of those days where nothing is going right? Oh, just me? Okay, thank you, Steffi. Thanks, Steph. Thank you. All right. All right, we have Jonah's having one of those months, right? Remember, he sailed at the sea. There's a big storm, right? There's three days inside the fish. There's 24 days to get to Nineveh. He preached three days, and now this is the next day he's outside, right? I did the math for you guys. It's about 30 to 31 days, right? He's having a bad month. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. And honestly, I do feel badly for Jonah. He seems to be having a rough time right now. But God is not playing Jonah like a little toy, right? He's not trolling God for his own amusement. He's not going like, I'm God, look at me, you know. Um, look how miserable I can make this little prophet. You know, he, 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 right? He, he's not doing that. 
But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it. I'm sorry, did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. Should, and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Come on, Jonah. A couple years ago, I started growing citronella plants to try to help repel mosquitoes in our yard. We like to enjoy our, our backyard, and, and Jonah like Jonah. Jonathan likes to play out there. Wow, that's, that's, that's a good one, and that's being preserved now for live stream. But I don't like my family getting bit. I grew all these citronella plants from shoots from my neighbors. Citronella, I don't know if you know this, uh, citronella is one of those plants that you can kind of snap off a small branch, right? And you can actually just stick that into the ground, right, and water it a lot, and actually that, and that becomes a whole new plant. So they started very small, and I've tried to nurture them, and, and now some of them are pretty big. Um, I can tell I have a connection to them because I, I spend a lot of time watering and growing these plants and, and digging them out and spending some time with my son. I'd be sad if they all died, you know, suddenly overnight. God is saying to Jonah, you were so concerned about an overnight plant that you did nothing to make happen. You have no emotional connection with that plant. It's not like you grew the plant yourself with your own time and resources over the years. It grew up overnight. It died overnight. You are so upset over it that you want to die? <laughs> Seriously? Your priorities are messed up. Okay, I'm putting some of these words into God's mouth, but I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand. Like, this, is, this is kind of what God is saying to Jonah at this point. Right? I, I think most cultures on this planet would value people above animals, and they would value animals above plants. Did I get this right? Do you, should I switch them for any of you guys? Richard just nodded his head, so I feel, thank you, right? Right? It, I think, right? Let me know if I need to change that order, but I think people, humans at the top in terms of value, right? And then animals, right? And within animals, I would say cats, right? But, you know, we can have that discussion later, right? And then plants, right? In the order of hierarchy, right? This, this, is, this is, I think, what most cultures, if not all cultures, would consider, God is making it pretty clear that Jonah's priorities are messed up. God is saying, you cry over a simple plant. You want to die over a plant that you knew for 24 hours, by the way. <laughs> okay. You didn't, you didn't have much to do with. No, you didn't grow this. You didn't, you know, spend nurture. But my compassion is over for people. Jonah wanted a simple, small plant to be spared, but not humans, not 120,000 humans. His values were completely messed up. Are we like Jonah? Are our values messed up? Do we hate our enemies so much that we wish bad things would happen to them? All the while accepting grace and forgiveness and mercy for ourselves. Are we like Jonah? God mentions both people and animals. We got the hierarchy right here. I, I put them in green for you guys. You have been concerned about this plant, though you didn't tend to it. Like, uh, there are... 120,000 people and also as many animals. I mean, I mean, this is a three-point sermon God is giving him right here. I'm just, I'm just stretching it out in a half an hour, okay? God, when God sees people who are spiritually lost, he doesn't immediately say, yeah, forget you. 
There are websites that are devoted to chronicling the stupid things that humans do. Videos, screenshots, memes. I know, I've, I've been to them for the, for the sake of research for the sermon, of course, right? When we see people who have done brainless things, foolish things that brought trouble onto themselves, right? Sometimes we say or think things like, or comment, right? We think, serves them right, right? They deserve everything coming to them, right? Justice served. You do something stupid, you, des- you deserve something stupid. You know what I'm talking about? We mock them on social media. When we see people of the other political party defeated, sometimes we gloat. When we see an opposing viewpoint refuted in a meme, we can gloat. I think we humans, we like to distance ourselves from hurting people or a horrible situation or a bad ideology because of our pride. We don't want their unhappiness to be our unhappiness. I'm not like I'm not like you, you who deserve to be in the bad situation that you're in. God doesn't do that. God shows real compassion, something we need to model. He sees the city of Nineveh lost, and he doesn't like smite them right away, which he can. He sends a prophet to give them a chance. We need to attach our heart to others. I get it, it's it's uncomfortable. (laughs) Especially caring for somebody you really don't care about. And when I was, when I was proposing this, I'm like, there's, some, there's a few ex-bosses uh, when I used to work out in the secular field. Man, it would be hard. And one of my managers, my mid-little bosses, who was also a believer, he once told me we had a director level who was above both of us. He once told me, he heard a sermon in church saying, we need to pray for this guy. Man, those are tough words to hear. I did not want to pray for my, my director. My manager and I, we were tight. We're fine. That was tough to hear. It's uncomfortable, but that's what compassion is all about. God continues to save Jonah. God continues to be patient with him. He works with him, even in the stubbornness. Right? Jonah's pretty stubborn. His first time was like, no, I'm, I'm getting on a boat and I'm going, to, I'm going away. Keeps on bringing him back. Jonah, or God doesn't accept Jonah for being human and, and just leave him alone with his own failings, his own, own failed attitude. God sent a storm. He sent a fish. He sent a plant. God sent a storm. He sent a fish. And now he sent a plant. He commissions Jonah again and again. And at the end, he's talking with him directly. And here we kind of see uh, God's like righteousness and, and love working together. I think God just wants Jonah to hear himself. Do you hear what you're saying, Jonah? You want me to spare a silly plant, but, but not the 120,000 people plus, plus the animals? Do you hear yourself? You don't want me to have compassion on Nineveh, but, but shouldn't I? Aren't these humans more important than animals, which are more important than plants, which is what you're concerned with? You're concerned with the plants down here. Shouldn't I love these people? And Jonah, by the way, shouldn't you join me in loving them? I love this quote from Tim Keller. God is both too holy and too loving to either destroy Jonah or allow Jonah to remain as he is. He can't destroy him or allow him to remain as he is. And God is also too holy and too loving to allow us to remain as we are. God wants us to change. 
God's actions today go against our sense of justice. We, want, we all want God's gracey, mercy and grace. <laughs> but we don't necessarily want it for other people. There's a story that I've held back for three messages, but I, I can't delay it anymore because <laughs> uh, we've now reached the, the conclusion of Jonah. I kept on thinking, like, in each one of the three previous ones I, I preached, I was like, oh, could it go here? I'm like, yeah, it could go here. But I kind of like, <laughs> now, I'll wait till the next one. <laughs> but we're at the end. There's no, there's no Jonah chapter 5. So this is my story. In, in high school, uh, I didn't always get along with my dad. Actually, high school and up until even into my 30s, I didn't really get along with my dad. Uh, he was pretty rough on my brother and I, and I remember, I remember resolving that I didn't want to tell him about God because I didn't want him to go to heaven. I actively wanted him to go to hell because uh, some, some of the pain that we had, uh, my brother and I had kind of experienced. Can you, can you imagine the kind of anger a teenager is going through to wish that upon a parent? I was perfectly fine accepting God's grace. Perfectly uh, fine accepting that Jesus died for me. But I didn't want Jesus to die for, die for my dad. Just Just me. Uh, each of these four messages in Jonah, um, with today being the conclusion, um, I've, I've kind of found myself identifying, unfortunately, with, with Jonah each, each time. It's, uh, you know, okay, uh, give me a second. <laughs> it's not always rosy after we become Christians, is it? Uh, those of us who have been Christians a long time know this. You know, it has its ups and its downs. Uh, this, this, this journey of faith that, that, that we are all on. Uh, we all have our struggles. It's where I, I practiced this uh, a few, uh, twice yesterday. I wasn't like this. I guess when you're up here, it becomes more real. So, you know, Jonah is a prophet, but, you know, he has his human uh, sinful, selfish tendencies too. Just like all of us here, and if you're, if you're joining us online, we, pass, we pastors are no, no different than other people. Uh, we are all still sinners in need of God's grace. And sometimes we all, we all want God's grace all to ourselves, <clears throat> but we don't like it shown to other people who are undeserving. So I want to ask, is there a little bit of Jonah in you like there was me? Are we too willing to accept God's character of grace and mercy, but only when it's directed at ourselves and not at others? And so today we've arrived at the, at, at the end of the very short book of Jonah. And it ends, it ends kind of abruptly, uh, don't you think? 
Uh, God responds to Jonah, and, and it's kind of left at that. Uh, we, don't, we don't really get to read Jonah's uh, response, uh, if he had any. Uh, we, don't, we don't know if he understood and accepted God's explanation, God's, God's mercy. He, he kind of ends on a quick, should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? And that reminds me of another story that ends with God's response. And if you guys remember the story of the prodigal son, do you guys remember that? Some of you? The story of the prodigal son, right? Right? Basically, a guy has two sons. One son kind of says, I want my inheritance now. So he takes it and he squanders it with, you know, he just squanders it, and, but he comes back. And the father lovingly takes in the son back. And the older brother is like upset. He's like, you know, like, I'm the one that stayed. We'll pick it up here. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been enslaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property and prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Like, you're, you're nice to him. I've obeyed and you, you barely give me a goat. This, this son, not my brother, right? He doesn't, he doesn't identify him as my brother. He's like, this son of yours. Notice that, right? He's like... He, he, he took all your money and he squandered it with property, you know, prostitutes, you know, and, and you, you throw him a big, nice dinner. My son, the, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because the brothers of yours was dead and is alive again. He, is, he was lost and is found. We also don't get to read the older brother's response if he had any. But often we are like the older brother. We are like Jonah. Older brother was so mad that his father was so generous and loving to his younger brother. The younger brother who went out and, you know, sinned. The younger brother who was so undeserving. Does this older brother sound like Jonah? I've I've ended each of my messages on Jonah on a cliffhanger. We ended chapter one as Jonah was thrown into the sea. As he sinks down, what happens to him? Well, we learn that a great fish swallows him up, you know, and keeps him alive. Right? We ended chapter 2 as Jonah was vomited onto dry land. What happens? What does he do now after spending three days in the fish? Well, we learn he does go, in, go to Nineveh and he, and he actually preaches there. Right? We ended chapter 3 as the Ninevites proclaimed a citywide repentance. What will God do? Who knows? Right? Punish them as promised or, or, or spare them? Well, today we learn that God repented and spared the city. And Jonah gets mad at God's mercy. So we end chapter 4 today with God asking Nineveh, should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? And I think this question is for us. It challenges us. Today, our response is the cliffhanger. Our response is the cliffhanger. I think the ending of the book of Jonah invites us to write our own final chapter 5. We all write our own chapter 5. Should I not have great concern? It's, a, it's as if God is asking this question to Jonah, but then he disappears and he's really just asking the question of us. Should I not have great concern for the great city of Nineveh? God asks us, this question of ourselves in our own time, in our own culture, in our own context, how will we answer? So I invite you to fill the, in the blank and answer the question in your own minds. Should not God have concern for people we don't like, who in our own eyes are undeserving? 
Should I not have concern for you? You fill in that blank. The great fish was a gift to Jonah. It, it delivered him from death. He didn't deserve that deliverance. It was a gift. The plant was a gift to Jonah. He had done nothing to earn that temporary shade. And salvation through Jesus Christ is a gift to all of us. We've done nothing to earn or deserve heaven. It's through God's grace and mercy that he offers us this entrance into the kingdom of heaven that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you send the Spirit to us and work on our hearts. We thank you for the grace and mercy that you bestow upon us, Father. Help us see that you love everyone, even to people that you don't, that we don't think are deserving of your grace and mercy, Father. Help us see your attitudes, our hearts for what they are, Father. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.